I'm pleased to introduce Sarish Hussain, the author of The Family Tree, which was shortlisted for a number of awards, including the Costa First Novel Award in 2020, and more recently, it won the Calibre Hidden Gem Award. The book is described as a moving story of a British Muslim family full of love, laughter and resilience, as well as all the faults, mistakes and stubborn loyalties which make us human. What struck me most, Serish, is that the characters in the book are very well drawn and convincing. So I was wondering, to what extent did you draw on friends and family when you came up with the characters? Um, quite a lot, actually. I did a lot of borrowing, um, just stealing things from here and there, people, just observing them, the mannerisms, the way they spoke. Um, definitely, I think that the characters in the family tree, they're inspired by my family, my friends, and just the people that I grew up around, the experiences I've had. Um, there's no one who's explicitly based on a certain person, I would say. But I would also say that there's a lot of me in all the characters as well. Um, but it's definitely, I think it was something that Stephen Fry said, that the first novel that you write is an accumulation of all your life experiences um, from being a child. So there's a, a lot of that definitely went into the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you say it's a mixture of different characters and and. Uh little foibles or whatever. So do you ever get people coming to you and saying, was that me for a particular character or, or you've disguised it quite well? <laughs> I think I've disguised it quite well. I have family, obviously, who are very close to me. They'll say, oh, that bit over there, that was when we did this, wasn't it? I know. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> little yeah. I think more, more about the scenarios in the book, little yes. sort of things yes. like that, definitely. Yes. That's making me wonder about the fight at Javid's. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. Did you experience that or not? Maybe. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Maybe once or twice. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I love it's a bit that. like a bit like Christmas when everyone has a bit too much to drink and starts throwing punches. Well, on Eid, we won't drink, but, you yeah, know, maybe. Yeah. Still have an fights. argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's why it's so real, because you feel that, these things have happened in some way or another. They just seem very real. Um, so who is your favourite character? Do you have one? That's very difficult. That's like asking me to choose my favourite child. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't have children, by the way, no, but, but my yeah. book is my baby. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I, on different days, I love, I love a different one more. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think... You see, I have a soft spot for Sahil because he's so deeply flawed and his decisions are so deeply flawed, but you yeah. still kind of, yeah. you know, root You're for him. rooting for him, yeah. But I think Zara edges everyone because... Yeah. And I think from the reaction from readers, especially young women, they just absolutely took to Zara and yeah. all yeah. of them said yeah. to me, that they saw themselves in Zara and yeah. you know and it's such a huge compliment to me but they said that it was the first time they'd seen a character like Zara like Zara in in a book but she's not an anomaly or a one-off she's basically like I said before 
observing my my friends, my sister, my family, you know, people I've worked with. There's so many Zaras out there. But mm-hmm. I felt like so it was the first time we've really seen someone like her in a book. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. sad, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Zara's yeah. Yes. I think I'll go with Zara. Well, it was so refreshing to see a young Muslim woman portrayed in that way, you know, that yeah. just not a stereotype at all. And uh, she, her and um, Amy, she's a character, the matriarch. She's great. I liked her as well. Yeah, I think Amy as well is definitely a favourite. <laughs> definitely a favourite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what would you say to our members? What are the main themes that are examined in the story? There are quite a few. I know, what would you say the main ones are? Um, well, of course, family, but not in that. I think sometimes it's 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 so interesting because you love your family, but families are complicated. They drive you mad. Um, you love them. You can't live without them, but sometimes you feel like you can't live with them. Um, there's there's so much complexity there. Um, so that's definitely one of them. But just, I think when I started out, when I started writing the novel, I'd just finished university. So, you know, like every 21-year-old, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you don't. And I think what I really wanted to examine was just life and that youthful aspiration, that ambition, those dreams that you have at that age. And just what happens when things don't go life plans get thwarted and things don't go in the way that you wanted how how do you deal with that mm-hmm. um it's it was yes it, it, the book is about family but i also think it's about the individual um all the characters had a certain you know dream and hope for their life um Jed thought he would have his wife and his little family it all changed sahil was just destined for success um that changed dramatically Zara and I think it's funny because by the end of the novel I think Zara kind of emerges as the head of the family really um but there's so many obstacles that she has to go through before she can think about herself um so those are some of the things I wanted to examine but I also society as well and you know community sort of relations in this country um obviously that I'm from Bradford and although I don't mention it at the beginning, the book is set in Bradford. And just the kind of stereotypes about Bradford, you know, the idea that, you know, there's like this, you know, um, we're a deeply segregated society and nobody talks to each other, nobody likes each other. And it just couldn't be further from the truth. Um, And of course, there's sort of like those big issues of growing up in a post 9-11 world. But, you know, I didn't want to make that the focus of the story. The novel isn't about radicalization or terror or that kind of u- the usual stuff. But it doesn't mean it's not present because just disregarding that aspect of the characters' lives would be just not be telling the whole truth, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- there's quite a bit going on, I'd say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like the way you brought in the the politics, if you like, I mean, about feminism, uh, misogyny, racism, and everything. 
how you brought it in with Zara and her blog and, you know, going on Twitter and whatever. That was quite clever how it came in and out here and there. So like you say, you don't ignore it, but it isn't, you know, that big a part of the story in the sense of the telling of the story anyway. And and the friendship across the communities, I really like the way they were drawn um, with Libby and Zara and Ken and his involvement with the, the family. They were very heartwarming sort of uh, bits of the book. And, um, and they one... were definitely reflective of my experience growing up. Yeah. Which yeah. is what I wanted to get across. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so I was wondering how much research you had to do for the book um, in regard to, you know, the day-to-day the -day lives of homeless people or the issues around drug taking or coming off drugs, because that was quite detailed as well. Yeah, I, I did quite a lot of research, <laughs> quite a lot of research. One of my mum's friends read the book and she rang my mum up and she said, how does Serish know about all this stuff? <laughs> I was like, oh, you'll never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it was a completely, uh, like I said, I just finished uni. And things like homelessness and drug abuse, worlds away from anything I've ever experienced or people I've experienced. Um, and it, it was just so important to me to try and capture, to do this authentically, not just use it as a plot device, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I was very lucky. I had a friend who was a drug and alcohol counsellor. So I harassed her for months. I was going to her office. So it's quite a relaxed sort of office space. And I was just going there all the time in Huddersfield um, where I went to university um, and her, I spoke to her spoke to her colleagues they directed me to a different sort of a day centre that I could visit told me about different people I visited um, a winter shelter called In Churches um, there's a food like a soup kitchen at the in Leeds outside the art gallery every Wednesday or Sunday I've forgotten now um, I went there, I just spoke to as many people as possible and just gathered as much information as possible. I watched a lot of documentaries, um, that kind of thing. And it's just a little, again, it's not, it's the little things that you want to capture. So when I went to the soup kitchen, there was a lady there who had um, a massive suitcase, a really small woman, and she had a massive suitcase. And I said, oh, what, what have you got a suitcase for? And she went, um, I'm just collecting things and then there was a lot of clothes there and she just grabbed a whole big pile of jeans and stuffed them into the suitcase she was going around stuffing things into this suitcase um so it was things like that that I just picked up on and just you know observed and wrote it down and you can't get that by watching a documentary you have to put yourself out there mm -hmm. um and with the with the drug addiction it was the first time I discovered legal highs which are now illegal but um, watching a doc few documentaries about homelessness, I realised that there was this thing called Spice, um, a, you know, a legal high that you could go and buy from the corner shop. And um, it was £10 for a little packet. And a lot of people thought, oh, well, it's it can't be that harmful if it's legal. It's totally fine. Um, and I discovered, it was what I discovered was absolutely horrifying. You know, there was reports that it was more potent than... Uh, cannabis and more addictive than heroin it was just shocking and then I, I think there was so many videos being posted on social media of people in city centers acting like zombies and 
collapsing and absolutely horrifying things. Um, and that's how I kind of brought that in. I thought it was really, it worked really well for Sahel, just as opposed to shine a bit of a spotlight on that, but also because, you know, he's a universe, he's an educated, he's a clever guy. Um, he ends up in this bad situation and, you know, he thinks, oh, well, he's just bought this thing from the corner shop. Oh, it can't be that bad. It's okay. It's not hard drugs. And he just goes down this spiral. Um, and that was reflective of a lot of people at the time and what was happening. And as I was writing the book, the, they became illegal, but that just means they're much harder to control. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I took a big sort of six month break from actual writing to just delve into the research. Yeah. Yeah. And I it was it was Shelter, the charity that chose my book as a book club read. And they said to me, um, so it's a homelessness charity. And they said to me that they liked it because of how authentic the portrayal was. And that honestly was the best thing that anyone mm. has ever yeah. said to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, was... well worth six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what age did you start writing? Did you used to write, I don't know, stories or whatever? I did. I did. For, for as long as I can remember, I've been writing. And, and to be a writer, you need to be an avid reader. I was going to ask, yeah, are you an avid reader as well? Yeah. So I think that's what started it off. Um, and when I was little, my dad used to take us to the library, Manningham Library. And um, yeah, and I read all the Roald Dahl books. Um, I remember once when I couldn't, I even remember the time when I couldn't read that well, like the Roald Dahl books were too hard for me. My sister was reading them and I was so frustrated that I want to read this. I was looking at the pictures in awe, you know. Um, and then I was part of that Harry Potter generation that grew up with the books and the films, you know, like that kind of reading renaissance that happened with children. Um, so, yeah, that's how it started. And And to be honest, I was... I was quite good at English at school. I think every single English class lesson I've been to, I've always ended up being the teacher's pet. Um, they've recognised, oh, this, this kid can write, actually. Um, mm. So I loved it. And when I finished, so I was always writing poems, stories. I've, I've got things that I've sort of, you know, kept safe. Mm. Uh, but when it came to, like, university, I, I did well. I could have done some uh, one of the STEM subjects, you know, could have done, um, but I wanted to do English, um, and I knew that that's where. And I had got a few sneers from people. Oh, what are you going to do with that? You can be a teacher, um, you know that kind of thing. Um, and um, yeah, but I, I was quite determined that that's this is my calling. I definitely want to pursue this. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so what books have you been reading of late? Anything? Have you had time to read? <laughs> It, you know, it's it's difficult because I'm I'm writing my second book. Yeah. Well, I've 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 just finished editing it for the second time. Yeah. And it's best it's good to read as you're writing, but it's very difficult because then it's like your your hobby and your job are kind of the same thing because you're reading your own work again and again and again, and it can get yeah. quite overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just read the movement by Aisha Malik. Mm. Um, which is a, a, a brilliant book, actually. Um, and there's, um, I've got my to be read pile is so huge. I know the feeling. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I just wish we had 
we were given an extra day in the week just, just to read to catch up on reading. It's <laughs> a good um, idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's also a new book that I've just started called The Halfways by Nilopa Udin. Uh, that's we have the same publisher and that's uh, an author from a, a British Bangladeshi background. Um, so that's uh, that's really good so mm -hmm. far. Um, yeah, so that's I, I, yeah, I wish I could read more. I really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, does it feel different writing your second novel, the process and just the whole thing compared compared to that first one? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I think it's much harder. <laughs> There's such a thing as second novel syndrome. And I really felt it because when with the first book, yes, I was writing because I wrote the book as part of my PhD. Um, but it's something that I wanted to do, it's something that I felt I had to do. Knowing completely fully well that no one might ever read it apart from my mum. But you just do it anyway. You have to be a bit mad, but, you know, you just do it anyway. But the second book is because you feel like you've got a story to tell. And the second book, you've signed a, a contract and you're you're told now you must produce another book. Mm. And it's quite it's a very different experience because mm. it's like, well, I don't think I have any more good ideas left. <laughs> but if you do have a good idea, it's like, OK, but th there's quite a bit of pressure. Well, it needs to be as good, if not better than the first one. Yeah. So I, I, it was, it's, it's quite a difficult process, the second novel. I think ask any author and they'll say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So what is your day job and how do you fit in time for writing? Yeah, so I'm... <laughs> I'm a bit all over the place, actually. I so I now I do teach at university, the same university that I studied. I teach there part time. I teach creative writing, so I'm currently working with the first year creative writing students. I have a few MA and PhD students that I'm supervising, so that I teach at Huddersfield. And so that's amazing to, because I was you know one of the students in the classroom, and now I'm teaching them, so it's. It's very cool. But I also, for the past eight years, I've worked at the local hospital as a healthcare assistant in ultrasound. Um, so that was my little job as I was studying. So when I was doing my master's and my PhD, it was sort of like my little Saturday job. And I just never left. <laughs> and I was still there at the weekends. <laughs> um, and it was quite difficult over the pandemic because my book came out um a month before all bookshops closed in 2020 um and something happened where i had um i was in the local paper about oh bradford author new book published so i started getting all these messages on my phone from um friends and family who spotted the the article out and they were like oh wow this is so amazing and i was actually at work in the hospital and my manager said to me okay tomorrow um, we're going to be on standby for COVID patients only. So if we have to go to ICU or A&E or on the wards, that's what we've signed up for and that's what we're going to do. I was like, oh, OK. And then literally the next day we were there masked and gowned up. And so it mm. felt like I was living a bit of a double life mm. at mm. the time. Mm. Um, but at yeah, least you'd that. finished writing the book. That would have been hard. <laughs> yeah. 
I know but it was it was funny because it was like everyone had this perception of oh gl- very glamorous published author which yeah. it was at times but yeah, then, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah but I, I am going to be leaving that job soon with a heavy heart mm-hmm. um to focus on the writing and my yeah. work at the university so yeah I, I was going to ask given the opportunity would you like to write full-time or do you like having that like your job at the university is that the ideal combination I think so yeah I think I'd go mad if I wrote full-time um there was a time where I was writing while I was doing my PhD I was writing and I was freelance writing uh, freelance uh, copywriting at the same time so I was just writing all the time for my job and for my uh, you know for my studies and it, it was too much I think every everybody needs that sort of interaction I suppose it's like I think and I think everyone's got a flavor of it now with the pandemic and working from home and a lot of people have like oh we'll be going to the office two days and three days we're at home it's it's like you need that bit of human interaction yeah yeah I suppose otherwise you're in a bit of a bubble as well and then you'd start to lose touch yeah and it's it is quite writing is very solitary and uh, it can be quite isolating so you need Mm. yeah you need that kind of interaction with the real world as well (laughs) so thank you for speaking to us Farish that's been really interesting and I hope that lots of our members will be inspired to read the book which is called The Family Tree and it's available in the Calibre Library. So do make the effort to listen to it. It's well worth it and I'm sure people will enjoy it for the reasons that I did. So thank you very much. Thank you very much um, for having me and for uh, choosing the novel as your, uh, for your Hidden Gem Award. It, it really meant a lot. So thank you and to your members as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs>